You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going on, everybody? Jared Sandler here for the Just a Sec Conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in. For those here for the first time, hey, thanks so much for giving this a shot. If you're back for more, appreciate the continued support. Hope everybody's doing well. For those of you uh, who are not doing so well, bad day, bad week, just a bad stretch of time, uh, hoping for better days ahead. Today's episode is episode 58 with Dan Orlovsky, former NFL quarterback and current NFL analyst for ESPN. I never met Dan. Uh, I guess I still have never met him face-to-face, but I was so excited to talk to him because I love his work as an analyst. His job is to give his opinion based on his preparation, research, and expertise. His job is not to tell you that your favorite team's player is better than your rival team's player. Some Cowboys fans might not love Dan because he's said in the past he believes Carson Wentz is better than Dak Prescott. But a great analyst is not necessarily someone with whom you will always agree. It's someone who's going to make you think, who's going to teach you something. And I think it's someone who shares their opinions with education, conviction, and passion. And Dan does that. And another thing I love about Dan, he's not afraid to uh, walk into enemy territory. He's not afraid to go on a DFW radio station knowing that Cowboys fans Uh, aren't big fans of his because of what he said, or to go on a a, a Philadelphia station, whatever the case might be. He's always willing to interact. He's always willing to stand up and also say, hey, you know what? I got this one wrong. And, And I think those qualities are what sets him apart. I love his work as an analyst, and I really love getting the chance to chat with him, and hopefully you'll enjoy the conversation as well. As a reminder, would love for you to subscribe. Uh, to give the thumbs up. Click that thumbs up button or just comment. These things take a few seconds, but they go a long way and I'd really appreciate it. Something else you can do, just share the link. Share this conversation with someone you think might enjoy it. Again, I'm not trying to be a salesman, but these things really do help and I really, really would appreciate it. But without further ado, here we go. Episode 60, the big 6-0 with NFL analyst, former NFL quarterback, Dan Orlovsky. All right, Dan, so the first question I always like to ask people, and you can take in whatever direction you'd like, when you think back to your childhood, what are some of the things that stand out most to you, either about who you were and, and some of your, uh, I guess, personality characteristics, experiences, whatever whatever hmm. your mind gravitates towards? What do you think about when you think back to your childhood? Yeah, I'd say the first thing is obviously sports. I was a sport kid. I was a jock early on, played most of them, if not all of them. I was the kid that... You know, was outside from sunup to sundown, soaking wet and sweat down the street, trying to find some kids to play baseball or wiffle ball or football or basketball or, you know, tag or we called it kill the carrier. So, like, anything. Uh, I grew up with a little bit of a, a broken home, so that comes to mind, certainly the, the fluctuation uh, with parents and stuff and whatnot. And then um, just kind of falling in love with football. I just fell in love with football and fell in love with playing quarterback. I probably fell in love with trying to think I know everything and being the center of attention too much, which is often a quarterback trait, but um, a lot of really cool, cool memories. I grew up in a small town in Connecticut, Shelton, Connecticut, where sports was a pretty big deal. So uh, a lot of it revolved around sports. 
All right, so a few things on that. One, was was football the first sport you fell in love with, or was there a sport before football that at one point maybe was top of mind? I probably fell in love with competition and performance more than just a singular sport at first. Uh, but the sport that I played first and, like, played the most as a young kid was baseball. And then, you know, I, I, I jokingly tell people I was A-Rod before A-Rod because <laughs> I was, like, Super tall, super lanky, super unathletic, but played shortstop and pitcher. You know, hand-eye coordination was there. So uh, football was the first sport that I fell in love with because, um, you know, I, I just think the I, I'm wired to be a person of community and team and kind of somewhat depending on others, but knowing others depended on me as well was something that I just gravitated towards, the physical demands of it. And then – as I became, I guess, a teenager, I fell in love with just the grind of it. And so, uh, but, but baseball was my first sport. Could baseball have taken you beyond high school? Had you continued to pursue it or, or was football the one sport that you maybe had the ability to play beyond high school? No, I, I would have, I would have played beyond high school in baseball. Um, I, I, I'm also one of those people that probably not going to tell you I wasn't good at anything. Um, and so, <laughs> or everything. So like I was going to make that happen no matter what. I don't know if I would have played pro sports for 12 years, like I did in football, but, um, you know, baseball was funny because I was probably the, you know, the kid in little league that you see in movies. Like I was bigger and better than everybody in little league at baseball. Uh, I was the best 12 year old anyone's ever seen type thing. And then I turned 13 and was like, what happened? Like everyone else, <laughs> everyone else got better. And I just stayed the same. And then, you know, I became an okay baseball player in high school. It was never great, but I, I would, would have figured out a way to outwork everyone type thing is my mindset. So at, at what point did you realize that football was something that could be a thing for you? Not just maybe in, in college, but beyond that, was it when you went to UConn? Was it when you were in high school? Like at what point was being an NFL player, something that was more than just like any kid saying, I want to be a pro athlete, but Dan Orlovsky, like as an NFL player was something legitimate. Yeah. Sophomore year of college, it went from a dream to a reality and, and you control if this happens or not. It was my sophomore year of college when, you know, we started playing some more, I guess, big-name football teams. I started playing pretty good as a sophomore. I started gaining some national attention, you know, Mel Kuyper, all that stuff. And, you know, with the big board projections three years out type thing, I was on that. So that in that moment uh, was probably, you know, the thought process of, okay, this is a very real thing right now. It's no longer a dream. Um, let's make this happen. Was that pretty cool when you finally recognized like that sort of national attention or were you kind of in the mode like, yeah, I, I, this is what should be happening. Like it's about time they recognize that, you know, I can play. It's probably both, you know, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. It's probably both because again, I'm a kid from Connecticut. I got recruited to go to bigger schools and play in the big 10 and whatnot, but I decided to go to UConn, which was a basketball school, girls basketball school in many ways till then didn't really have much of a football program. And, you know, I had gone there for very specific reasons, and one of them was to try to prove everybody that said we couldn't do it wrong and, um, or you're going to get lost there from so many people. And so when, when that started to get kind of proven incorrect, that was one of those moments where I was like, I told you guys, you know, I, like, I, I told my, even my father, like I told you that this, this was going to be the right choice. And so it was a little bit of like, yeah, about time type thing. And and also, like, it was still very cool. Like, it, it was still very cool that I 
was from Connecticut playing football at UConn. We had gotten good, and I was getting national attention. That was that was very cool. All right, Dan. So I, I want to quickly circle back to something you said about a, a broken home, and without going into tremendous detail, I you know as I, I grew up in a, a similar situation. I imagine just based on the way you 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 briefly described it. I'm curious how that shaped you then and maybe how that shaped you now. Mm, that's a great question. Long answer. Uh, how it shaped me then, I became very dependent on sports. I became very dependent on myself and independent of myself. And I became very dependent on my coaches and my teammates. You know, uh, I, I, uh, I, my coaches and teammates very much so became the people I felt like I could trust the people that I felt like I could kind of put myself out there for, uh, that, that I wanted to do things with and be in community with. I had mentioned that be kind of being wired that way. So in that moment, they became the people that I trusted the most and enjoyed being around the most. And how it shaped me now, I still think that's very much so the case. My favorite part about playing, you know, in the NFL for 12 years is the locker room. It was my favorite place to just kick it and hang out with everybody. My teammates were always my family. I'm still like that um, in, in that regard. Uh, I, I think it's certainly challenged me to, you know, want to be the absolute best husband and father um, possible because of kind of the, the downsides of growing up in something like that. I think there's benefits to it as well. Again, you know, you get exposed to the ways that things that you don't want to be or what you don't want to be. You realize how powerful you are and how um, strong your mind is, um, how dependent you could be on yourself to go accomplish some things and and not be so, you know, willing to, okay, I'll let everybody else do everything for me type of mindset. So, you know, it certainly had a ton of impact then and, and it's absolutely had a ton of impact with where I stand today. I, I'm curious on a, I guess, a, a, a back to like a, a football thing, and I appreciate you sharing that because I know that you know it's not always easy to to reflect on maybe some of those experiences. Uh, you know, it seems like a lot of your story is like whether you know it's it's always been this way or not, but a lot of it's like the underdog, not just you know small town in Connecticut, and you know you talked about going to UConn and being a part of a transitional period. Uh, at UConn and then, you know, playing for the Lions. And obviously uh, there were some teams there that uh, that really struggled. And uh, I, I don't know how much of that, like, I guess early on in your life, you were the stud, like the guy, the main, like, top dog. But is the underdog thing, is that something that you've embraced? Is that something that you've maybe fought? And, and even some of the things, I guess, off the field that could play into that as well? Yeah, you know, uh <laughs> I, I, there's probably a little bit of both. And I know that's not the answer you're probably looking for. Like I'm definitely wired to be an alpha male. And I think, um, you know, playing quarterback certainly has had that impact. You know, you just, I've been in, I guess, a, a leadership role. I played, once I started playing football, I played quarterback from the age of nine on. So from the age of nine to 35, I played quarterback. And so everyone knows quarterback is, you know, leadership and, um, you know, doing what you say and how you have to encourage others and make others around you and own wherever you are and whatnot. So I'm definitely, you know, probably intrinsically like that, but also developed like that because of the sport that I played. Um, I would say the underdog was a little bit more when I was younger, you know, and, and trying to prove people wrong. Um, I always tell people this, um, 
because we live in a world, listen, there's a lot of great in our world. I don't want to, like, we live in a world where everyone wants to tell everybody else how they stink, you know, and oh, you know, especially with social media right now. And I often get asked, like, does that bother you? Um, And my response is always like, no, I'm the only person in the world that knows what it was like to, to do what I did, to go where I came from, to accomplish what I did. I'm the only person. I know the sacrifices. I know the commitment. I know the discipline. No one else does because they didn't, they didn't, they didn't go on the journey with me. And so um, I, I'm so much more motivated by my own things and my own self rather than trying to prove this person wrong or that person wrong nowadays. When I was a kid, certainly, but I think as I've kind of got a better, better grasp of maybe maturity and um, the world around me, uh, the underdog thing isn't, isn't really um, a motivating factor for me. I, I'm curious, Dan, I guess I read that before you got to UConn, uh, you know, you, you really worked on your speed. And while I guess, <laughs> you know, you were never a, a, a Michael Vick by any means, but like that was something that you still had to improve upon. How do you, like, what was that process? Like, I guess you kind of chuckled there. So what, what stands out about that experience and, and just the ability to actually set out to do that and get it done to the point where you became uh, as appealing of a, a prospect as you became? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, starting point was um, I think there's a very big difference between being an athlete and being athletic. I was a pretty good athlete. Uh, hand-eye coordination, great feel of space, um, could pick up any sport and, you know, be okay with it, right? I was atrociously unathletic, uh, was not fast, was not strong, was not explosive or quick or um, anything like that. And so as a sophomore in high school, I was probably like six foot four maybe a little bit more. I was like 180 pounds and I ran a six, two in the 40 size, 15 feet. So <laughs> like there was some major athletic deficiencies there. And so, you know, it became obvious, like, all right, I was smart. I could throw, um, very natural with that. But, and it was a really big, but like if I was ever going to play any form of college football, like my speed had to get better fast. And so really from the age of, you know, probably started before I was a sophomore, though, but I gave you the story to show you where it was. I probably started training um, maybe when I was, like, 13 years old of, like, plyometrics and trying to get faster. I'd wear jump soles to workouts. I'd wear ankle weights to school to walk around and just trying to do anything and everything. I'd run with a parachute. I remember running with a parachute outside in a windstorm and pulling the parachute and it getting caught in a tree and then having to go take a baseball and throw it out of the tree. Um, so... <laughs> You know, that was years and years and years of trying to get that better. My, my junior high school, uh, Randy Etzel, who was the head coach at UConn, came down to watch a spring practice. He wanted to time me in the 40. I was just training for the 40, and at that time I was running like a 5'5 five, five or 5'6. Five, I knew if he had seen, if UConn came down to watch me run and I ran 5'5, five, five, UConn was not going to offer me. And so I knew I had to do something. So my dad set out two cones. We're on the track. We're warming up. I'm sitting there like, man, what am I going to do? Coach Edson shows up. My father goes over to say hello to him. And as my father goes over, I just walk to the end cone and I kind of gently kick it up probably a couple yards, right? Because I know, man, this is not going to end good. All right, Coach, nice to meet you. I run my 40, 4-9. He goes, that's all I needed to see. I go practice. My offer comes. Then all my offers come in. Um 
And so then I go to the first day of camp at UConn before my freshman year. So it's our, our first day of training camp. We do the timing and I run five, five and he looks at me and I just gave him a shrug. Um, but it was something that I worked really hard in over college and whatnot. And I ended up getting it down to realistically, like probably like a five Oh for the combine. And that was the best it was ever going to get. <laughs> now you go to UConn and you know, you mentioned getting to play kind of for your, your hometown college and, and the appeal there. If I'm not mistaken, I, your time there did overlap with the transition into being a, like a Big East Division One program, or, or am I off by a little yep. bit? Okay, that's accurate. Yes. So, I what, what's that like? I, that's not something I don't know. It, it's not something that happens a ton, and and I don't know that there are a ton of success stories as immediately as yours was and your team's was throughout that process. So I know that's a not just an overnight thing, but like, what are the things that stand out about that particular experience? Yeah, probably one of my greatest accomplishments and proudest moments. I want to say proudest moments. Um, you know, everyone, when I and probably a couple other guys decided to go to UConn, everyone thought we were crazy. Everyone thought we were stupid. Um, that it, 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 you'll never win there. It's a Northeast school. It's a basketball school. It doesn't have the facilities. doesn't have conference, all that stuff. We were really, really bad in my freshman year. I almost transferred and said this was a bad decision. My father said, nope, you gave them your word. You're going to stay. Okay. Remember walking into the, our head coach's office after that freshman year with another guy named Alfred Fincher, who was the same year as me, a linebacker from Massachusetts. We became like brothers. And we just sat down and we told the head coach, like, hey, um, this isn't going to happen again. We're not going to let what happened happen. We need to let you know that we're not doing what the older kids did tell us to do. We're going to do it our way and we're going to change it. And he said, the handcuffs are off. You guys take over. And so from that point on, we really became a group of like just maniacal workers. We were going to outwork everybody physically. We were going to study more tapes than everybody. And uh, we, we started to get really good this midway through my sophomore year. And then my last, gosh, my, my senior year, we went eight and four and we lost the four good teams. My junior, we went nine and three and we won our last six, my, um, the back half of my sophomore year. So we won 23 out of our last, uh, what is that? Almost like 30 games or something like that. So, uh, we got hot and we became really good and, you know, it was a ton of hard work and ton of commitment and some really good coaching and some, we had some really, really good players, guys that went to play in the NFL. So it was an awesome experience. Like I said, probably some of my proudest stuff comes from that time frame. All right. So then you go to the NFL and you end up playing for, for a few different teams, but uh, the Lions were maybe, I guess, the team you spent the most amount of time with. Uh, I guess I'm just curious, like, first of all, you you made a comment earlier, like, no one else knows what, you know, it, it takes but me. Uh, and you, you also said something uh, along the lines, I guess, you, similar comment, like, I've read it, I know you've said this a lot, and it's basically what you just said, but, like, no one... No one knows besides me how hard it was to make it. So when you think mm-hmm. of those comments, like what are the things about your career? Like, I guess someone could go on pro football reference and look and be like, oh, like, you know, this is, you know, this and that and blah, blah, blah. But there's so much about an individual's career that's not on pro football reference or, you know, any of these sites, you know, pro football sure. focus. What, like, so like, what are those things for you that like the things that you're super proud about or the, the things that stand out about your career? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question, and I, I'd say this. 
the, probably the thing that I'm most proud about is the length of it. You know, I don't know many people in the history of the NFL have played in the NFL. How many players have come through the NFL? I don't know how many guys have played 12 years. Um, I'd probably say the second thing I'm most proud about is, you know, uh, not allowing that play, the safety play where I run out of the end zone, not allowing that to derail my career or define it. I played for eight more years after that. Um, that that's something that I'm really proud about. The very next week, I was actually in the same exact situation on the road against Houston, backed up on the three-yard line. I threw a 97-yard touchdown pass to Calvin. Yeah. So just like not allowing that moment to kind of beat me up so mentally, um, let failure beat me up so mentally is something I'm really proud of because I think um, and I'm hoping that my kids will see it one day and learn from it. Um, <clears throat> the teammate that I was, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the teammate that I was, and I have conversations with guys that I played with and, and, have, and talked about that. Just the, team, I don't, the, the viewpoint my coaches had of me um, and, and uh, just the fact that I'm maxed out. Like, I maxed out. You know, I, I, there, there wasn't a 13th year. Um, there shouldn't have really been a first or a second. So totally maxed out. Um, you know, the kid who was 6'4", 180, ran a 6'2", I, I maxed it out. Okay, so that, that safety moment, uh, you're, you're right. Like a lot of players, I don't know, you know, maybe they eventually overcome it, but like it certainly impacts them. Like I, I think like the average player, that moment would impact them, maybe not the rest of their career, but certainly like, I don't know, the next few weeks, what have you. Was that just something that was natural for you to shake that off? Did you have, was there like guidance you got on like how to ignore that? Or I, I don't know, like what, how did you go about successfully dealing with that? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to sit here and lie to you and think it was natural. Um, I wish it was. Uh, you know, again, I, I was super fortunate as, as an athlete. I had really good college, high school coaches who not only were smart, but kind of shaped you and mold you. And, you know, I, you, you play quarterback for a long time. You realize you better have thick skin. And, and um, you know, I was fortunate in college to have, a, you know, coaches, again, that were really smart exit hosts, but they shaped and molded and, you know, allowed for failure. You know, that was one thing that I was I, – I, I look back on now and I think was paramount for me getting through that was I was allowed to fail as a kid. I was allowed to fail as a high school kid, and I did. And I was allowed to fail as a college kid, and I did. And I didn't have people around me always just picking me up going, it's okay, you know, like I was allowed to go through the, the, the process of failing and the pain of failing and the picking myself up and showing up the next day. I was allowed to go through that process. I think it's something we need a lot more of in youth sports today. Um, and I'm thankful for that because I think it was a big deal for for me to be able to, you know, okay, it happened, you know, and, and I'm not going to obviously change what happened. Um, and, and so I can only control moving forward. And, you know, how do I use this to, you know, um, prove myself to my teammates, prove myself to myself. You know, I got to look in the mirror and lay my head on the pillow. Like prove you say you are X, you know, like, and you, you say you're this, you say you're a person who's driven by faith. You say you're a person who's big, driven by integrity, character and work and, you know, okay. And then now it's time to put those things into action. So and I think a lot of my history, my past was a big part of being able to kind of push through that. And 
overcome it and, and kind of move on from it, to be honest with you. All right, so now I want to I want to point to uh, I, I guess what must be a highlight. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but going to New England and throwing for over three fifty, uh, getting a chance to to do that, and and obviously this is uh, you know the the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Patriots. What was that experience like? And 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 it, I mean, is that something that you look back on fondly, or is that just to you another game kind of in the uh, in the script of your NFL career? No, I look back on it fondly. I mean, I'm from New England. Um, most of my family and or friends growing up or even in that moment are New England fans. That's, you know, at the prime and the, the pinnacle of their success. Obviously, it was two decades long, so it's a long period of time. But, you know, being you know being able to go there and have a ton of people there. And to be honest with you, it was, it had been a long time since I played, you know, and, and, and had the chance to play well, to be honest with you. It had been a long time. And so it was really nice to, you know, uh, have that. You know, I met my wife um, after I met my wife after college football. So my wife, you know, never really got to see me play and then play well. And so you can, you can, she can hear it and you could tell and you could show. But like until she sees it for herself, I don't want to. You know, it's just nice that she was able to watch that and 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 whatnot. And so. Um, no, it was it was great. They we pushed them to an onside kick for the end of the game. You know, I always remember Tom coming up to me after the game and be like, "Way to compete! You really played well." So that was always cool because I was a fan of his before I ever played against them. Um, and so, no, that that's a very cool memory of mine. What you mentioned leadership earlier, obviously, as you indicated, and anyone who follows football knows that the quarterback. I, I don't know it. I don't know if the quarterback has to be the leader, but certainly I, I can't imagine there are too many quarterbacks who have success who don't have really any leadership abilities. What was important for you? I, you mentioned earlier, like doing what you say. So I, I you know, I, I gather that's one one of the the pillars. But what are the things to you that that make up a good leader in sports? The the type of guy that that we celebrate as you know an awesome locker room type leader. Yeah, I mean that that is a there's layers to that. I'd say, you know, a big thing is you, you've got to be very honest with yourself and then very honest with your teammates. Um, teammates don't like guys who lie to themselves. Teammates don't like guys who lie to, to, to the teammates. You know, they, they, they need honesty. You got to be willing to kind of dive into people and engage people. You know, quarterbacks are babied. They're, they're prima donnas. They're protected more. They're thought of more. So you better be engaging with other people on your team you know, you you gotta you gotta become alignment. You gotta become alignment at times, and you gotta become a defensive guy at times. You gotta be able to kick it and hang with everybody, um, because you'll never be, you know, you gotta be endearing to those guys. Those guys know you don't get touched in practice. You get treated. You get talked about after a win more glowingly than you should. Maybe you stunk and the team still won, but you made one play and now you're the hero. Like, so guys want you to become, you know. Um, you know, they want to feel like you know you're on the same playing field as them. Then you got to accept when you're wrong. You got to accept responsibility. You got to be willing to point the finger at yourself and stop pointing the finger at everybody else. That's a really difficult thing to do. Will you accept responsibility when it's not your fault? Um, and then, and I think that's a really big thing. Uh, I think the guys that go to a different level, they know that they are the guy they know they're the guy they know that they are the quarterback of the football team but they can also be a guy they could just be one of the fellows 
a very, very unique trait and hard to do. Um, you better be super confident in that aspect of yourself. So, you know, there's a lot of, you got to be proactive rather than reactive. Um, you have to be consistent. Um, so there's, there's a, a lot of layers to it, but those are the things that stand out. Hey, Dan, I'm, I'm curious, how do you balance in your career? How did you balance like the competitiveness of wanting to play and, and, and wanting to, to start every single game, but, I guess knowing that the reality is unless the guy in front of me gets hurt, I can practice my ass off. But Matt Stafford is the guy they paid a lot of money to be this team's Mm -hmm. franchise quarterback. So I can do everything, but unless the guy gets hurt or, you know, whatever the case is, like I, that's my role. My role is the backup. But like, obviously, and you mentioned like right away, like the competitiveness. And I think one of the, I don't know. I hear people talk about, oh, like this guy must love being a backup quarterback. Like what a life and blah, blah, blah. But like, I think those people forget, like these people got there because they've got a unique level of competitiveness that helped elevate them to that role. So I guess, how do you balance uh, that dynamic? Yeah. I mean, I hated being being a backup. It was hard. You know, you know, you never get a release. You, You do all the work that the starter does probably more prep wise. And then you never get a chance to show it off. You never get the chance to kind of reap what you sow. And so there's a lot of mental ch- – that's why a lot of guys can't do it for a long period of time. How did I balance it? Uh, I'd say one of the – you know, uh, I use this phrase often, you know, a lot of the pro athletes, and I was certainly one of these guys who did this, you brainwash yourself. It's today. Uh, you know, like, it's today. I got to go do as good as I can and work as hard as I can today. Um I had a college coach, my college coach, Randy Edsel, pulled me in after my freshman year where I did not perform well school-wise, and he said, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so, you know, I had this this shaped mindset, like everything I did was going to be as good as it possibly could, no matter if it was in front of one people or a gajillion people, if I was the most important person or the least important person. Um, You know, obviously, I've, I've mentioned that faith is a big part of my life. So, like, am I working and focused on trying to please a coach, or am I trying to please you know, God. And then I'd say, you know, at some point you come to a crossroads in your career where the NFL tells you what you are. You stop telling, trying to think of what you are in the eyes of the NFL. The NFL tells you what you are. Well, the NFL in 2011, I think it was my fifth or sixth year told me, okay, Dan, you're a backup. And so in that moment I had to say to myself, okay, if I want to play another six or seven years and continue this career and make this living, um, I've got to realize that my impact for this football team isn't dependent on my performance. My performance is unlikely to happen. So I better prove that I'm worthy of one of these 53 spots when what I do on game day really doesn't matter. And so it became this kind of lifestyle and it's kind of led me to where I am now in a way of, you know, communication and education and learning and teaching to all my teammates and um, kind of being that, I want to say utility infielder, do everything for everybody type of thing. And that's where it became the competitiveness was, oh, it subsided uh, in in the competition between me and the starter and the competitiveness went to how can I make our third string tight end better? How can I be the, I mean, there's 32, there's 32 in the world that get to do that job, that get the opportunity to do that job. And if I wasn't willing to do it as good as I possibly could, better than, you know, a lot of other people on the planet, somebody else would. 
All right, I want to ask you a few questions about post-playing. When did you know that you wanted to get into the media and get into to broadcasting? Yeah, it's, it's probably something I thought about a lot in my career. My wife actually found a notebook when I was 10 that said I want to broadcast football games for ESPN. So um, it, it, I thought about it. It was I'm the type of person, like, I am where I am. That's, that's my sole focus. As much of a big-picture thinker as I am, you know, like I don't devote a, devote a ton of energy to something that I'm, I'm not totally into at that moment. And so when I was playing, like I was playing, I was getting paid to play. So that was getting all of my attention and my focus. But it was definitely something, you know, I had occasionally thought about. It was either that or coaching. And I kind of see what I do now is coaching some aspects. So it's something that I had thought about but didn't become like, all right, I'm going to go do this or try this until I actually got done, done playing. Okay, so – and, and and I think if I'm not mistaken, before ESPN, you were just kind of doing stuff on Twitter, uh, breaking down film. Was that kind of like, hey, this is my tryout, and someone's going to pick up on this, or was it, hey, I, I just finished this long NFL career. I'm happy kicking it with my, you know, my family, but I still, this is fun for me, so I'm going to do this. Like, what was the the motivation when you were when doing those things? No, it was definitely like, all right, I'm going to go prove that okay. I'm good at this. This is like um, a tryout, essentially. Yeah, and like, I just wanted to use social media as a weapon. I was not a social media person before, um, but I thought that, like, okay, people really want this and like this stuff. Um, I feel like I can do it at a really, really high level, and so I was going to go do it. Um, I'm also, like, like I'm not wired to just sit at home. I got buddies who do, and that's their, I, I like. I think it's amazing that they've played for eight, nine, ten years, and they want to spend time home, and and they don't have maybe a daily job. Um, I I think it's awesome of them. That's just I'm not wired like that. So I I wanted to work and and do things. I wanted my kids to see that as well. And so this has kind of been a really good mix of lifestyle, um, but also work style. All right. So one of the things that. I, I really love about what you do on TV and, and what you bring is that you don't come across as afraid to just say your, say your uh, piece on something. And like, you know, I obviously I'm in Dallas and uh, Cowboys fans immediately looking for any little thing to jump on, but like you, you're not, you're not going to pander just for the sake of pandering. Uh, and there's a lot of, you know, when you're a national uh, opinion giver, like you're never going to appease everyone. Uh, and football fans, especially are super passionate. How have you, how have you dealt with that? And, and how is that, why does that seem like it is so natural and so easy for you to just take on all these bullets on social media? Cause you'll engage too. It's not like you're one of these people. It's like, I'm going to go on TV and I'm never going to look at social media. It, you know, you're not afraid to engage and, and have a, a fair and honest conversation. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to argue, you know, it probably <laughs> goes back to, you know, I said this previous, like thinking I know everything and center of attention, like that's part of it as well. Um, you know, I, I'd say this, uh, I got to be true to myself in my eyes, um, my eyes and being myself are the, are the reason I got a foot in the door in this world. Why would I not continue to do that? Why would I turn from that? Those people who argue with me are are fans. Um, I love the fact that they are so passionate. They don't pay my bills. They don't, they don't provide for my family. So like I, you know, that, that is, you know, just the reality of this world. Um, I think the thing that I've learned over the last year is 
Um, a lot of people say in our line of business, like analysts, like our job isn't to be right. You know, we're not predictors. I've tried to change that. Like, I want to be right. I actually do want to be right. Like, I, 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 I want to compete with others trying to be more right than them. Absolutely. And the second thing is this. You can't do that unless you're willing to be wrong. And you can't be good in this job, really good in this job, if you don't have eyes that are different, if you don't trust them, if you can't be yourself and you're not willing to be wrong. And I'm, I just feel like I'm confident in that. We're like, I'm okay being wrong because I'm so confident that I'm going to be right a lot of times, a lot more than I'm wrong, then, then I, I'm okay with uh, being wrong. I'm okay with seeing things different than other people just because all those other people are going to say the same thing that everybody else is going to say. Um, I'm okay being wrong if it's something that I see and I believe in. Well, there you go. Episode 60 of the Just a Sec Conversation with Dan Orlovsky. I really, really hope uh, that you enjoyed that. And uh, if you're not familiar with Dan's work and, and you enjoy football, would really encourage you to uh, take a second to try and track him down on TV, uh, find him on social media. Uh, I think you're going to become a more knowledgeable football fan uh, because of the, the expertise and the information, the analysis that he shares. All right, we got more Justice Set conversations coming up next week, and really excited to share more. Uh, be on the lookout again. Like, subscribe, comment, share the link, whatever the case might be. would really appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Stay safe, be healthy, and until next time, talk to you later.